0: Hi everybody. Um, Thanks for coming out tonight. uh, uh, Ryan couldn't be here tonight and he asked me if I'd be willing to introduce the reading tonight and all I could say was absolutely of course because I think I've introduced Olga at least three times here before so she's one of those sort of great old friends with a sort of deep connection to VSC which I'll talk about in a second. which has meant a lot to me over the years. And uh, the sort of habit of my introduction is just to sort of lay out a couple of the sort of milestones in her uh, career as a writer and as a person and then let her writing speak for itself. but I will say that, um, first of all, I should mention that um, all of the readings that are presented by our um, women visiting writers are funded by the Rona Jaffe Foundation. Um, They're very generous every year in providing the funding for all of these, and they ask us to do nothing in exchange for that except make an announcement to those who are gathered here tonight. And in a slow, sort of quiet way, let it be known that they are um, sort of one of the underpinnings of the VSC Writers' Program. We really appreciate that. So kudos to Rona Jaffe and our gratitude for um, their ongoing support. Olga was born and raised in Greece and she came to the United States on a Fulbright um, scholarship or fellowship to study architecture in the 60s and I'll get back to that in a second. Um, In a kind of life change that I've never known the details of. She wound up going and getting an MFA in poetry at the University of Oregon about six or eight years later, where actually I got my MFA in poetry, so we sort of have that in common, which is fun. Um, Her first book of poems, Beginning with O, was um, nominated in 1977 by Stanley Kunitz for the Yale Younger Poets Award. It was the first time that award was ever bestowed on someone who was a non-native English speaker, sort of a uh, cool distinction, I think. Along the way, she has gotten a Guggenheim Fellowship, an NEA Fellowship, and um, was the director of the Creative Writing Program at Brandeis since 1995. And you're still there, Olga, right? So yeah, has been the director. Oh, you're on leave, but still there, right. So, I was, um, Anyway, eight books of poems, three books of translations, and a long, great history of just devotion to the art of writing and literature, which is what we all seek, I think, in the people we look up to and think about in the world. Um, But I do want to say one of the cool things about Olga is that in 1966 or 7 or 8 or whatever that was, 67, when she arrived at the University of Pennsylvania, she studied with Fred Osborne who would go on um, about 17 years later to found a place called the Vermont Studio Center um, in Johnson, Vermont. And Olga was part of a program I know that was deeply connected to the architect Louis Kahn. And Fred and John, Greg, who's here obviously as our uh, founder with Fred, um, were part of this milieu in Philadelphia in the 60s that Olga was a part of. And uh, I remember when I first contacted her many years ago, 15 or 16 years ago about coming here for the first time, she said, is that the place that Fred Osborne founded up there? And I said, yeah. And she just went on to speak really highly of Fred and his, um, his soul and spirit and his sort of power as an educator. And what's really cool is that Fred Osborne is going to be here next week for the board meeting and Olga has not seen him since Philadelphia or whatever or sometime after that. So I'm really looking forward to this um, sort of reunion of these guys. Um, but anyway, enough of that. I'm just very happy to be here and please give a warm welcome to Olga Brumis.
1: So, um, in my little packet that I got uh, after I came here um, with all the information, is a series of four or five questions um, that they like the answers of, if we're so inclined uh, to put on the Tumblr. They're simple questions, but I don't tweet and things like that. So, um, you know, to me, I have to think about them a little bit. Anyway, one of the questions is, what was the best piece of advice you ever got? And so I've been vacillating between two things. When I left Greece, my father said to me, don't ever forget that you have human dignity. Which has seen me through life. And when I went in for my exit interview with Fred... Uh, when I was graduating, he said to me, um, when are you going to start acting as smart as you are? And actually no one has in that three years I was at Penn told me that I was smart. So that was was a deep compliment. He didn't uh, didn't do that very much. Um, Anyway, I haven't seen him for 40 odd years, but uh, every week I understand something deeper, that he said to us that year of sculpture, um, at which I am very bad. But he was the best, and really in some ways the only professor I've ever had. Um, And this place has the spirit that he opened me to, uh, told me that it was okay to go after it. Um, I came to this country to go after it. But people used to drink a lot back then, (laughs) and uh, he was the first realization of, okay, I'm here. I can start. So, um, I I just can't tell you how happy I am to uh, be able to see him. So, um, I grew up in Greece in the 50s, which were not like the 50s here. They were more like the 20s and 30s here. Um, more like uh, the Depression. We had the Second World War, and uh, now we had a Civil War. Um, and by the time I came around, uh, you know, there were things like 93 children in the first grade classroom, one teacher, no heat. It was a wonderful time to grow up. So, anyway, this uh, I maintain a relation to the quality of time of that time. This is called dot calm. I have the old notion of time. I go away without the phones and faxes. Each of us freezes our birthright in the sun of life, where it unfurls its puddle of a flag. This is our country cyan, regardless the overcast, where daily I walk in its naked Sundays, the beautiful white alphabet peeling away, the vox voltaic." Mosaic. So this was during a jazzy period of life. violent distraction anger day Lily of the heat anger embellishment and posture once we were separated then I sent stones flying to your window in the gravel anger accolade surrender anger the summer may not end anger fill me with clouds I'll cry night you leaned out we were magnetized familial face to face anger axial I atrocious anger indelible immortal best anger fill me with clouds our cry come up you said I did we were like children in the old boat bed. Anger, bread, repast, emotion. Anger, dog hungry, dog unleash, Anger in heat, let go. Anger, enter me, like angels made out of the peacock's sweat. Mournful and precious and in sunlight. Anger, the simple cunt lip surge. Anger, the snake stick glowing. Anger we didn't. Anger plate of gold. Um, This poem is called Emblem, it's pretty short. A woman whose existence is indifferent to yours, attracts you. No music comes of this. Um, So, um, I've been translating this Greek poet, Odysseus Elitis. And uh, his collection of poems, uh, collected of my translations, is called Eros, Eros, Eros. And that comes from a quote of his. He says, If a separate personal paradise exists for each of us, mine must be irreparably planted with trees of words, which the wind silvers like poplars by people who see their confiscated justice given back, and by birds, who even in the midst of the truth of death insist on singing in Greek and saying eros, eros, eros. Um, So one of his books is called The Little Mariner. Um, In Greek it's uh, omikros, micro as in micro. Naftys Nautilus, and that means both the nautilus ch- shell and it also means uh naftis, sailor as an argonaut um so uh, most people translate it as uh the little shell or the little nautilus, but it it you know this is one of his. Um, collages, and it's all about the sea and the sun and the light and the islands. So I figured Mariner was right. Anyway, after I translated that book, um, throughout which I wept as I was translating, I had a dream. And uh, translation is an extraordinarily intimate act. You basically not only breathe the same air the poet was breathing. You you take his or her language into your mouth, and make it sing. It's it's really a a very amazing act, Uh, both sacramental, and as in taking Eucharist, um, and sexual. So anyway, this was the dream, and it's called After the Little Mariner. I woke up in the dark, of a moon steamed against glass black <coughs> sorry glass black as if glazed with ebony or soft lead handled in the blind of another's dream and he the crossroader the atmospheric horseman the marksman who can calm the deep by taking a teenager down from his constellation and instructing him to walk across the surf, then kneel inside the pelago, a broadcast charging the elements with Rilke's terror as my soul rang in the air above. The bedclothes rustled, though my limbs on the bed were paralyzed, transparent, I could see a ribbon song begin from the lungs of his penis inside my body like a swallow of ice-cold milk in august gleaming and slow like mercury upstream and through my lips and then my soul fell into or my body rose. and I'd like to read you something of his. Um, This is from a book-length kind of chapbook, I suppose, called the monogram. Um, In Greece we call them books. And it's a book he wrote during the military Junta, occupation of Greece, seven years. Um, started in sixty seven. It actually is one of the reasons I was allowed to leave the country and come to school. Um, even though I'd gotten a scholarship, it was not considered proper for a young woman to go so far away from home. Uh, and I studied architecture because if uh, you're a well-brought-up young lady in Greece at that time, and you were to be allowed to study, um, You studied one of three things. Uh, Well, four, literature, uh, became a teacher, uh, or you studied law, architecture, or dentistry. Because you could have a home office and raise your children. So, uh, But it was great, great training for an architect. I mean, for a poet. Because you learned that something had to be beautiful and economical and, you know, all those wonderful art things. But it also had to open and close and you had to be able to go to the bathroom in it. Um, Which, you know, is very true for poetry. (laughs) So anyway, this is part four from the monogram. Which means the solitary letter. And he he self-exiled himself in protest. It is still early in this world, do you hear me? The beasts have not been tamed, do you hear me? My spilled blood and the pointed, do you hear me? Knife, like a ram running the sky, snapping the star's branches. Do you hear me? It's me. Do you hear me? I love you. Do you hear me? I hold you and take you and dress you in Ophelia's white bridle. Do you hear me? Where? Do you leave me? Where do you go and who? Do you hear me? Hold your hands over the floods. The enormous lianas, and the volcanoes, lavas, one day, do you hear me, will bury us, and the thousand later years, do you hear, luminous will make of us strata, do you hear me, on which the heartlessness of, do you hear me? People will shine and throw us a thousand pieces. Do you hear in the water one by one? Do you hear? I count my bitter pebbles. Do you hear me? And time is a large church. Do you hear? Or sometimes the figures. Do you hear me? Of saints emit a real tear. Do you hear? the bells open on high, do you hear me? A passage deep for me to pass. The angels wait with candles and funereal psalms. I am not going anywhere, do you hear me? Either neither or together both. Do you hear me? This flower of storm end, do you hear? Of love we cut once and for all, do you hear me? And it can't flower otherwise. Do you hear me? In another earth, another star, do you hear me? The soil is gone, the air is gone that we touched. That same, do you hear me? And no gardener ever had the luck from so much winter. So much north wind, do you hear me to pull a flower? Only we, do you hear me? In the middle of the sea, from just the wanting of love, do you hear me? Raised a whole island, do you hear? With caves and coves and flowering gullies, here, here? Who speaks to the waters and who cries, here? Who looks for the other and who shouts, here? It's me who shouts. And it's me who cries, do you hear me? I love you. I love you. You hear me. Ah, oh, yeah. I was something translating that book. So now I'd like to read you something I am sort of co-translating. Um, from English to English. um. Hang on a second. I guess there's no Wi-Fi here, so I had to make a picture out of it. So, friend and I um, have collaborated over the decades, uh, writing poetry, um, usually in the same space. Uh, But now, um, she's in Tucson, Arizona, uh, not Tucson, sorry, in New Mexico. And I'm here on the Cape, Uh, Cape Cod, where I live. And we're uh, collaborating, um, and that's all I want to say about it. And uh, this is the most current incarnation of the most current piece, which I haven't looked at since uh, we sent it back and forth via email, so it's a secret poem. flight of stones above the first chronographica, a cave wave of minervas, blue in the custody of the mobile dervish ear nails mark throughout without perishing by your discourse. And dream, moving furniture so shapeable the little seeds' words cuttings of conjunctions, this stem too founded in limestone, jagged tether, oxygen careening through the volume of stars. I embrace her, computations, hallucinatory forest. To arrange g-forces, I carve the slapping of rosaries. Against tiny petals, not simply made but found, beaded with them, a gardener you accept as ambrosia. As if beautiful clusters supplanting water, you draw her reservoir of firths, aerial memes, photometric. It's a little bit like uh, something between algebra, calculus, and trigonometry. <laughs> but it's very exciting. Oops. So I, I'm very fortunate to teach at Brandeis, and even though I'm on leave, I'm not teaching classes right now. Um, I'm working via videogram and uh, common online texts with my senior honors and thesis students. And once a week we get together, skyping, seeing one another to recite recite and talk. So I have this youngster, he's uh, 19. His name is Jackson Holbert. His dad is a writer. He grew up in eastern Washington state. And uh, he's amazing. He's just amazing. So, I want to read you one or two of his poems. This is called, uh, tentatively, Landscape with Collapse. It is necessary to turn away from the land. Collapsing must be done in full and alone, or else you get a half destructed sky and rivers the color of old scars. There is only darkness, and the dust floating above our heads. A new landscape is assembling, except now we can bat it away, shoot it through with little holes of breath. Soon, the dust hardens into trees and cities, and we get real pissed and turn around. So, um, and this is by someone who graduated a couple years ago. Uh, she sends me one of the exercises I have them do is they have to send me a daily observation that is not necessarily about their emotions. In fact, preferably not. Um, And they email me this every day and uh, it just helps me deal with simple things like what an active verb is without them being that attached to it. So, some of my students go on to do this over decades. Um, And and one of these uh, wonderful young poets, Cher Rubenstein, um, is in Argentina now translating and uh, She sent me this piece the other day. They're just really one-liners. She said, uh, When I was ashamed of eating, I was ashamed when I dreamed of eating. So, um, before she went to Argentina, she was working in um, um, preschool um, at Brandeis. And she has really vivid nightmares. it's called Nightmare. Not how the children saw me fit the crook of my elbow against her windpipe and crush till she went limp, but how they saw me heave the body to the ground and strike it again and again. poem called Cronyism. Again, nightmares. I was glad when they assigned me to torture him. They weren't sharp enough or sufficiently invested to see to it I didn't botch the job. I executed the gestures aimed wide. When it was time for my promotion, they trained me by example, throwing pennies and acorn husks against my bare back. At this, he yelled and flung himself at them. Almost immediately, they had the funnel forced down his throat, and for a moment, the situation seemed really dire. But when I cried out, No! Stop! they shrugged and let him return to his hook on the wall. (laughs) Yeah. So, as I say, oh yeah, listen one more. For the requisite removal. We type in the four-digit limb code. The four-digit code for the most proximate joint. The distance in centimeters between joint and point of severance. Patients, age, weight, sex. We press enter. We trust the algorithm. We wait for the blade to descend. As I said, I'm extraordinarily lucky. Um, And pretty soon I'm going to have to stop going because I can no longer drive myself there. I can't sit. So I do a bunch of different things to uh, stay alive in a wonderful way. I'm a yoga teacher and I'm a massage therapist. And uh, this poem called The Masseuse. The um, massage a masseuse is a silent creature, she doesn't live in language. And someone had asked me, you know, how come you never write about it? And I said, well, I'll see what I can do. And I, I you know, the stupidity of trying. But at some point it dawned on me like I would have to translate out what the masseuse knew into language, because she herself does not have language. So. The masseuse. Always an angel rises from the figure, naked and safe between my towels as before taboo. It's why I close my eyes. A smell precedes him as the heart fills from his bowl. I bow down to the riddle of the ear, its embryonic swirl nested with nodes that calm the uncurled spine, a maypole among organs. Each day a stranger, or almost, crosses my heart to die, from the unsayable, into the thickened beating of those wings, and we are shy, or frightened. As we close on, we forget abysmally what heaven shares with death, what gypsy vowels, Unshackled from the lips, rush the impenetrable mind, and the atlas clicks in my trowel hands. Crocuses on the threshold south side then and now. It goes on, like an egret scaling the unruly bands of atmosphere we have agreed on by my palm's erratic longing of the flesh to try. Toes crack, hips soften, and the spine, a seaweed in the shallow spume undulates like a musical string by the struck note, helpless with harmonics. Rock, cradle the perceptible, scar of the compass, sensible stigma and a poised blind of trust angling for re-entry. And the rain, the wind across its face like minnows and the dark of love schooling the light, will speak to you and you will walk home, dizzy, grazed by the gloaming and the just illumined stars. You know, sometimes you write a poem and you, you know it's finished, like your bones tell you it's finished, but you have no idea what it's saying. Um, I mean, you know the music works. but So this was one of these poems. I wrote it, I put it in the book. I really liked the first stanza. And then uh, about a year and a half ago, a couple years ago, I came upon me to read it at a reading and I understood it. So, if it doesn't make sense, it's really okay. <laughs> um, it's called Stars in Your Name, and it has a little epigram by Heather McHugh, and she says, All day you stare at us who may not touch your weeping or your blood. And it was written in the time of great AIDS losses, so. I lived in Provincetown. People were dropping everywhere. and So this is a sort of meditation on that. Kind, kind, milk in the mind, milk in the child, child and the blind, hormone of sleep at night, supine, anchored, paralysed. Flood as a star, soaked in the hopeful calcium, all mammals, like a prayer paging God, lie down to weep out for our young, mild, soporific milk, endure our cry. Issuing, ineluctable and somewhat like a bird in flight out of an oil spill, a blackbird that had just been white, a brother from the crater tit, orioled, blue, perennial, in orbit and the buckled sky. O oh soul on its invisible tether from the dippered water that was self, now rise through the historical ocean skin that divides the dreaming anchor from its days. Each night a nipped rehearsal for the unrequited vessel filling, filling in a child's mind since the shock unfair took it by force unfairly into concept. And justice, signal star tore from its center to abide above the ferns and shelters wherein dreams a life soars up to lick the fabled light from its inverted triangles Bared fairly in the sky, glowing from our perspective, a phosphor that might nightly heal the hole in the, de- in the clay, flower pot, and brim the unknown nourishment that balsamed, angel with open eyes, untarred and gleaming feathered, lets our solace be your light, your flight. tell you, they're becoming more and more uh, algebraic. Okay, this is another poem from that time. It's a little more discursive, insofar as I can ever be discursive. It's from a three-part poem called The Massacre. And uh, the table is my massage table. (sighs) The friends of the dead lie on my table, I do what I can with their breath, and my hands. Witless, the birds are singing. The crocus garland month lengthens our light. I want it always to be light. I fight the night and win. I peel my eye against the black and white TV until it dawns, then sleep. The Palestinian and Boston homeless split the screen. Number of children living on Brazilian streets, what is 40 million? Jeopardy's prey still the camera. Their stripped and stunning faces emblazoned in the halogen. A kind of sustained lightning. And the peasant heart, who counts the seconds between flash and fall of thunder shrinks from the looming toll. Horror is toxic. The lesions on our organs keep the score. The gentle and the hard are being taken in legions and the globe might shake us off its flank like quarry dust and start again with something less free, less wrecked by greed but it suffers us on its blue cetacean patience like festered barnacles. Like counted sheep midair over a stream The friends of the dead pause on my table. The shofar is ringing like starlight too young to have reached us. I do what I can with their breath and my hands. These are all some poems from a collaboration with my friend. Um, And since I don't know if she would like that, I read that poem tonight. Um, Although we do trust each other's hearts. Uh, I won't mention her name right now. And this is from a book called Sappho's Gymnasium and this is from the section in the book called Sappho's Gymnasium. Um, Gymnasium uh, in Greek means high school. Um, it also means nude school. Um, the, G- the G-Y-M-N is the root of n- nude. Um, and we were meditating on a fragment that Sappho um, is said to have said to her doctor, daughter as a best advice ever given kind of thing. And it says, uh, tears unbecome the house of poets. Tears are not fitting the house of poets. But the word she uses for not fitting or unbecoming um, is Femis, who is the female god of justice. So, it, it, she, basically what they say she meant is, do not weep for me after I'm gone. Uh, And we took that into a larger sense of do not weep Um, in the house of poetry, regardless of the many, many things there are to weep for. I wrote that poem about the Palestinian homeless in the 80s, right? Um, And these poems are very short. They're emblematic. outside memory worship never dies that wish to embrace the great poplar i woke and my head was gleaming tears fill my heart sorry trees fill my heart torn mist the doves i will love light struts cannot be broken make praise Populations will last. The following is a very, very loose translation of a Sappho fragment. And she's talking about her daughter. Please. I have a young girl good as blossoming gold. Her ephemeral face I have formed of a key dearer than Skylark homelands. A full twelve hours, like a toiler, like Lorca. Archaic to bone, we parse Lark Grove. Her face could still last tone of swaying habit, as if by accident, the sea. Exactly. Bird is drunk inside me. Remembering the smell at your door. You are the guest heart traces. Out loud you feel that doesn't exist. Just dismissed hyperventilates poet. Buddha vowel in Muhammad, child dared cross. Far from mother olive groves, father almonds, Lyric sap of maple, far from lesbos. The soul has a knee, just risen, just rinses. Laurel to air I speak your lips, lantern and the abyss. I am what astonishment can bear. Tongue, I owe you. Pupil only to you, fleece of dew. Small iconostasis, clay girls, recombine danger and homer. Dearest, on the unrolled robe, young wife with peace in her hair and the dark before the candle, where the archetypes take our unconscious to build, this work is forever. Thank
0: you.